Hi everyone, you're listening to the Multifamily Artist Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Koo, and this is the show where I interview investors to find out how they found their rhythm and created their own sound investments. Enjoy the show. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Multifamily Artist Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Koo, and this is the show where I interview investors and discuss how they found their rhythm and created their own sound investments. Before we hop into today's show, I want to remind you of today's sponsor. This show is brought to you by PassiveInvesting.com. PassiveInvesting.com is a private equity real estate investment firm focused on institutional quality, multifamily, and self-storage assets in the hottest markets in the United States. PassiveInvesting.com partners with their investors to provide opportunities to build wealth together by delivering consistent monthly cash flow, capital appreciation, and strong tax benefits. They currently have 1,700 plus passive investors with a 65% repeat investor rate. If you're interested in learning more, head over to PassiveInvesting.com or click the link in the show notes. You can get more information on investment opportunities, educational webinars, or insightful articles. Reach out and see how they can help you build wealth through real estate and enjoy the show. Now, for today's guest, we have a member of Raise Masters, and he's been focusing on multifamily for about 15 months. He has a full-time role overseeing sales for the upscale fitness brand called Equinox. I, he oversees sales for over 22 Southern California locations, and he actually started his career as an actor in New York City. Went to sales and now working on building two businesses within real estate and also business coaching. Please give a warm welcome to Brian Hemendig. Hemendig. All right. Well done. Thank you, Taylor. Great introduction. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, no, of course. It's a pleasure to finally have you on the show. I've been seeing your name pop up in a lot of different places, such as Nico's podcast and MIH and Raise Masters. So it's finally a pleasure to, ha- to have you onto the show. But before this little intro, you know, I wanted to dive in a little bit more about what got you curious about investing in real estate from your background. Yeah, well, my background, as you kind of read, is, is, is diverse. I mean, especially starting a career as an actor. And which has, you know, for me, I had no real interest in business at that time. (laughs) (laughs) And I wasn't one of those people that was an entrepreneur from a young age or anything like that. I was a paper boy. I was a terrible paper boy. Sometimes I actually forgot to do my papers, that type of thing. But, you know, I got interested in acting when I was a kid and I grew up in Buffalo, New York, and then moved to New York City to pursue a career as an actor when I graduated from college. And I went to grad school for acting. And that's really what I was doing for 10 solid years in New York, really focused on acting. And you know, I know you've got an artistic background as well. So you might be able to relate to that. Mm -hmm. But that's, you know, that was my passion. That was my mission. That was everything. You know, that was my full identity. And I got to a point in life where I had recently got married and I was at that point about $95,000 in debt between student loans and credit card debt. And just something shifted where I just decided that I needed to shift my priorities. I became okay with doing something else. And that's where I started working for Equinox, which is an upscale fitness brand, heavily concentrated in, in New York, particularly at that time. And I started working in sales. And that's what really got me interested more in business because working in sales and starting to work with people and then building a career there into sales and leadership and operations and starting to see how the whole business worked and just becoming fascinated by that, you know, by the game of business. And I was doing that for years and I still do that. 
But probably about four to five years ago, mm-hmm. I had gone to a wealth... Well, I started going to Tony Robbins events. And that started to just kind of open my... you know, Expand my brain a little bit about what I really wanted to do long-term, what was possible, right? Because I'd been kind of living in this world, this sort of my world. And I went to a, a Tony Robbins event called Life and Wealth Mastery. And at that event, there was a presenter that was talking about real estate. And I bought the course. And it was actually a course on wholesaling, hmm, okay. which I didn't do any wholesaling, by the way. I <laughs> started that process. <laughs> I started that process with posting ads and doing the bandit signs, but I decided that wasn't for me. But that it was enough to get me really interested in real estate. But for about two, two and a half years, I didn't really do anything other than studying, reading books, listening to the podcasts. And it's just it's been such a journey because I remember then being fascinated by it, but not necessarily thinking that that could be me. You know, listening to podcasts and listening to people and listening to their stories and being relating to their stories, but saying like, could that really be me? And then in about a year and uh, as you said, like 15 months ago or so, I joined a mentorship program, Jake and Gino. And that was really my first significant step to take significant action and focus on multifamily real estate and really learn the business. And from there, I started to learn the business. I started to focus on a market. You know, I was focused on more of the acquisition side and then pivoted a little bit to focus more on capital raising, which is when I joined Raise Masters. And that's pretty much where I am today. Got it. Now, you know, I want to dive actually a little, like even, even back to the beginning to towards the acting days, because like for me, I was trying to be a professional dancer and there were so many different, I guess, like life skills and life lessons, even though they, they were extremely hard that I took that sort of carried me on. And it was, it sort of became my identity, but also foundation as I was pushing through life, whether that was within engineering and, or, or even now real estate. Right. And so I was, I'm curious about some of, you know, the life lessons and, and skills that you've learned of just being an actor and trying to, and, you know, trying to make it to, to the big times. Yeah. And, and just what you've learned just from that experience. Yeah. It's a great question. And it's something I think about a lot because back then when I was doing that, I never expected myself to be focused on what I focus on now. <laughs> and it, but it also seems like almost like another life ago too. Mm-hmm. And so I think there's a lot of things. I mean, one is, just the act of pursuing a dream mm-hmm. and going back to that me at you know 18 years old that decided to to do that right and then ultimately moved to New York when I was 22 and realize how bold that is like that gives me a lot of confidence today to recognize like hey that's that's the person that I am that I went for it right mm-hmm. and then focused on it for 10 years and and that's one thing of just knowing that just that pursuing a dream and just pursuing it with abandon and just going for it and how powerful that is. Because I think back on that now, because as you, you see, I feel like as you get older and you become more established in your life and you take on greater responsibilities, there's some fear that comes in because you start to develop a fear of losing things, right? And so I think back to where I was as an actor, where I had nothing to lose, but I was also very happy and very fulfilled for periods of time working, doing what I love. And and I take kind of comfort in that, knowing that no matter what happens, I know that it's not the circumstances that dictate how fulfilled I am. It's it's really what I'm doing and what I'm focused on. So that's one. Two is just resilience. The resilience, and I'm sure you can relate to that. 
just going through and, and just working on your craft and feeling like you're doing everything you possibly can to get better and better and better, but then also feeling like you don't have a lot of control over the outcomes. Yeah. And one, one thing that, you know, just comes up to mind is the audition process of trying to get a role. I mean, that punched me in the stomach in so many different ways where, you know, we work as hard as we can on our crafts and we go to this audition process and maybe they don't even like our look. Maybe they're just not liking how we're interpreting the material, the scripts or the choreography. And, you know, it could definitely hurt your confidence. And so just putting yourself out there and being vulnerable is just a whole nother skill set. Uh, and learning how to be resilient is, uh, you know, a whole nother skill set that can take you in many, many other ways. Yeah, I agree. I mean, just putting yourself in those situations, getting vulnerable, and then training yourself to not take it personally. Like that's an amazing skill to, to learn at a young age. Right. So that's another one. And I think that confidence carrying... Oh, the other thing I would say is this is really related to sales, but mm-hmm. in acting specifically, so much of the focus as an actor was in building your own self-awareness and then becoming really observant of others and being super present when you're in a scene and really just seeing what other people are doing and playing off that. And that was just acting, right? But then I realized as I got into sales, how valuable that is because when you're one-on-one and you're in more of a sales situation with someone, being able to have that level of presence and being able to observe the other person and being able to intuitively pick up on what might be going on with them so that you can kind of adjust Mm-hmm. I, I found that to be super valuable as well. Huh. And you know, that also gets me thinking too, and you know, when we are matching energies with in your example, the the cast and and you're feeding off that energy. I didn't realize that also carries on to now the people that you're surrounding yourself with, Jake and Gino, with Ray's Masters. And it's it's a whole different energy, like when now you're you're pushing towards uh, another goal. But now you're feeding off other people and trying to attain that goal. And so that that that's something I you let me just be aware of. I didn't really think about that at all. And I mean, everyone always is always talking about, oh, network is your net worth, and that's it. But putting that into that context, it makes sense why people are always emphasizing surrounding yourself with just like-minded individuals. I agree hundred percent. And that's probably been one of the greatest lessons I've learned throughout this real estate journey specifically, because that was something that I would hear often, especially going to Tony Robbins events, right? That's one of the the core principles. You know, if there's two core principles that you get from a Tony Robbins event, one is state management, meaning manage your own state, manage your own energy. Two is proximity is power. Get, you know, there's the Jim Rohn quote. I think it's you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with, something like that. Right. And Tony talks about that a lot. And I remember hearing that and having resistance to wanting to make a real change, mm. you know, just, and I think it was this fear of, well, what happens if I get around people that are at a different level than me? Like, how is that going to make me feel? But it's honestly been the most powerful thing in this whole journey. That's really when things started to shift for me when I joined Jake and Gino and I got around people who are doing this and I got around people who are thinking differently. And just like you said, starting to feed off that energy where we can, we can help each other. That has been the greatest shift of all. And that's encouraged me to get into other groups as well. Got it. And you know, now that brings me to the question. So you mentioned that you got into, I mean, you picked up that wholesaling course and then you transitioned over to, to Jake and Gina. What about 
I guess the wholesaling course that you didn't like, and then sort of caught your eye towards towards multifamily instead. The wholesaling that I didn't like was, you know, when I think about the presentation, when I go back to it, it was kind of like one of those presentations where there was videos and stuff and testimonials Uh and people that you know made (laughs) thousands of dollars and Uh, and it just seemed so easy, right? right? Kind of one of those things. But what it would again, what appealed to me about it was it made me think. Could there be something else? Could I start to do something else that would develop another income stream? And and it just opened my eyes up to possibilities. And what I didn't love about wholesaling was that it was... I felt a little bit like an imposter because there was certain things like putting up the bandit signs and posting the ads and basically acting like you have a home for sale, et cetera, et cetera, to build your investor list. And it just it just didn't feel authentic to me at the time, but people are super successful with it. And I just felt like I started that process and I was like, eh, this doesn't feel quite right, but I was interested enough in real estate to just investigate further. What other strategies are there? And multifamily specifically, because I, I started then focusing on single family. There, I have a friend in Buffalo who had a couple of rentals, single family rentals. He's been successful with them. So we started to Look in Buffalo again. That's my hometown, so I knew it. And he's there, and we started to pursue that process. But then some things shifted, so that didn't go anywhere. And one night, I went to a meetup, and there was a gentleman there speaking specifically about multifamily. Hmm. And of course, I knew about apartment buildings, but I didn't really think about investing in apartment buildings. I just didn't think that that was within my capability. And he spoke about it very high level, you know, probably spoke for an hour or 90 minutes and just gave sort of an overview. And it was enough that it got me interested. And I bought the the weekend course that he was doing, which was in Dallas in a, in a few weeks later. And then oh, that... I think I know who you're talking about now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay. Yeah. yeah. So that weekend course was great for me because mm-hmm. it was just a high level view of multifamily, just a very high level view. Like you weren't going to walk out of that course and then buy an apartment building, but it was enough to understand the business. And I really related to it from operating fitness clubs because the thing I loved about multifamily that I related to was, as opposed to single family was, well, multifamily, it's like you're buying a business, right? You're looking at a P&L, you're ultimately determining how profitable is this business now? What can be optimized to make it more profitable and therefore more valuable. And I loved the the challenge of that. It just it just made sense to me because it just was like, oh, it's not that different than a fitness club, really, mm-hmm. or many other businesses. So that's what really got me into it. And then again, I think it's the proximity thing, doing that that weekend, talking to other people who are doing it, who were just a little farther along than me. It started to become like and I could relate where I was like, okay, maybe I can do this. And then recognizing there's so many ways to do it. I can passively invest. I could join a mentorship program. I could potentially partner with someone who has a lot of experience and just play a smaller role. There's just so many ways to get involved. Got it. And now I'm bringing a conversation that we had offline into the conversation now. But offline, we talked about how you were a limited partner in a deal and then also Mm -hmm. JV. Were you a limited partner first or uh, did you JV first? Limited partner first. Okay. And that was something where I is actually one of my coaches through Jake and Gino. Okay. His him and his partner and their company. And you know, it was about six months in or so. And at that point, I felt like 
I knew enough about the business and I'd certainly had the relationship with him that I felt that level of trust. And that was just a really good way to just get started, get involved and, and just be doing, you know, feel like now, you know, again, shifting into that identity of an investor. Right. And so, uh, and that's one of the, I guess, questions that I would love to dive and topics I'd love to dive in on is like when people are just starting and, you know, want to be operators, some, some go gung ho and they, they try and do it themselves. But then a lot of them are, there's, a, there's a, the other half of the investors that are saying, Hey, you should get into an LP position first, learn the ropes, learn how they're doing it, and then try and go out on your own. And so, you know, I'd love to just know some of the learning lessons that you've taken away. I guess you may not have realized unless you were an LP. Yeah. Well, I think the biggest thing for me was the fact that I took a step Hmm. because it's a psychological thing. Right. But once I did that, I was like, okay. And again, you know what it's like when an LP, I mean, you... The work you're doing is vetting the investment and then wiring the funds <laughs> and then collecting <laughs> distributions. I mean, that's really it, right? right? And that's the beauty of it in many ways. But it then it shifted me into being into saying, okay, well, now I'm a real estate investor. You know, I do mm-hmm. own shares in a 72 unit property. And that was that was a big deal for me. So that's one. But number two was just being able to, again, having the relationship with the coach, being able to look at that deal a little bit more behind the curtain a little bit to understand what he's looking at, what makes this a good deal, understanding what the business plan really is, all that stuff, just a little bit more detail than maybe you'd get on the webinar, for example. Right. And I and I just learned a lot from that. And then, and then the confidence I gained from... From doing that and then just taking the step to invest. Mm-hmm. Now, from there, you know, I think the learnings come from seeing what kind of communication comes across, right? How are they updating the investor? That's more like the investor relations learning of just seeing, and, you know, I think so it's great to invest with multiple sponsors too. How are different people doing different things? How are they handling investor relations? What kind of communications are they sending out, et cetera? So you can really gather what you want to do. Like what the best practices are and the types of things that you don't want to do, right? And you know something that I want to coin in and emphasize on is the fact that investing in different sponsors is also, I mean, there are a lot of operators that started out as doing that. So that I mean, not to bring in passiveinvesting.com, but Dan he invested I think in sixteen different sponsors and he took sort of like his LP experience and then brought it to now what is passiveinvesting.com and and really honed in on the investor experience there. And so, you know, I'd love to know, you know, with your and grants, I guess Jake, when you went to the JV, it's a little bit different because you're not raising capital there. Mm -hmm. But what, you know, I guess a little bit aside from the from the confidence side, when you dove into a JV, what was that experience like? Well, that was a great... I mean, first of all, that's a testament to relationships because that's a situation that came to me, again, through some people from Jake and Gino mm-hmm. that just thought of me because we've been in contact, we've developed a relationship, they know the types of things that I'm looking for. And so this is a deal in Oklahoma City. And this is a type of arrangement where there's a couple people that are... We've got a few partners and a couple of those people are really the lead kind of asset managers on this, right? We're all playing an active role, but there's a couple people that are taking more of the the lead. And mm-hmm. this was a perfect situation for me 
at the perfect time because it's exactly what I wanted. I wanted to play an active role, but I also wanted, I didn't want to necessarily be bogged down with the day to day of it because mm-hmm. I just don't necessarily have the bandwidth to do that. Right. But I wanted to be more involved than, say, an LP because, again, my focus is raising capital. So the more hands on experience I have, the, the stronger of an overall investor I feel like I am. And I don't know if that answers your question. Oh, yeah. No, no it definitely does answer my question. And, and, and actually, I, I respect that a lot too, is because, I mean, with raising capital, it's a very daunting task because you're taking people's hard-earned money and they're entrusting you with their money and, and the investment. And so the fact that, you know, you started out learning the ropes and, you know, you're paying your dues, I owe a lot of respect to. Now, uh, real quick, I guess, before we dive into raising capital, because I'd love to know just what those conversations are looking like on, on your end. But what were some of the roles that you were doing in this J, you know, as a, as a JV partner? So I came into it where the, it was already under contract. And the, the main thing that they were looking for at that point was they, they wanted more partners because they wanted more capital. But of mm-hmm. course, again, this is a, this was a situation where that was the main thing for the other partners. But for me, of course, I wanted to be actively involved as well. Mm-hmm. And, and, and they were good with that. So it was just a good fit. And so the, basically the roles up at this point have been, we all participated in the underwriting because there was the, the kind of initial underwriting. And then we all looked at it. We all provided feedback on that, kind of did our own versions of it. And then, and then basically collaborated on ultimately the business plan. Got it. And we're, we actually haven't closed on it yet. We closed, we're supposed to close February 4th. So we're supposed to close in what, whatever that, a week or so. Yeah. That's coming up. <laughs> yeah. And so what I'm looking forward to is really then collaborating on the execution of that business plan, mm-hmm. dealing with the things that come up and then needing to collaboratively make decisions about how we're going to deal with that. But one of the things that I've found already in the meetings that we've had has been like the power of collaboration because just different people see different things, you know, different perspectives. And when we, when we all kind of put our brains together, it's like we, we can, we have a lot more, we can come up with a lot more options of different things that we can do when we're all collaborating as long as and I think this is important in a JV, as long as everyone understands what their role is within this. Right. And that's what I said. We've got two partners that are the primary asset managers and we have a level of trust in them. So we're all participating. But at the end of the day, we know, okay, these two are really handling the day to day and they are empowered to make decisions up to a certain point because we trust them. They don't have to check with us on every single decision. Decision. And I think that's important too, mm-hmm. just everyone understanding their roles. You know, and as you're going, Along on on this journey and getting all of this experience, has your have, has your friends and family been following along? Have they been, uh, I guess, welcoming of this of this new venture? And has it been a little bit of an easier transition? Um, and, and the reason why I'm asking is when I at least like when I started this podcast, not really anybody knew what I was what, what was going on. But then the more I started diving in, a lot of people started asking questions, and then next thing you know, it sort of that raising capital portion of the journey started started to come into play. And so, did you have a similar experience where no one was really understanding, and then it started to click, and so they started to ask you questions? 
Yeah, I would say it's similar. I mean, I've been talking about what I'm doing for a while mm-hmm. with close friends and family. So there was a level of awareness. I mean, it was just, it's like hard not to talk about it. <laughs> Especially when you're, you know, traveling a lot, going to conferences mm-hmm. and that type of thing, it comes up. Now I am not, I have not been a big social media poster. And that is something that I really want to work on this year because uh-huh. I just, I recognize the power of that. But in the few posts that I have done, it's been amazing to me how many people reach out or that I run into somewhere else. And then they say, oh, I see that you're doing some real estate stuff, you know, and then ask me about it from there. So there's been support for sure. In terms of, you know, I haven't done a raise yet. So when it comes down to, okay, who's going to feel like they are at a point where they're ready to invest, that remains to be seen. But I will say that it's the interesting part of this has been that I'm what now call it three and a half years into this in terms of my mental journey, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And talking to people that my friends and family that are completely new to this for the most part, right? Some of the people that have reached out to me on social media, for example, they kind of already were thinking about it, right? And that's why they reached out because I'm like, oh, I see you're doing some real estate. I, I you know, I'm kind of interested in that, right? They've already sort of the seed was planted somewhere else and they're now kind of seeing that I'm doing it and and, and want, want to learn more. But mm-hmm. for the other people that I'm just kind of in my immediate circle that I'm talking to about it, it's new to them. And I've recognized it takes time for them to kind of process and get <laughs> to a place where this is something that they really feel like they want to do. And not everybody will, of course. But I've learned that that the best we can really do is talk about what we're doing, plant a seed, and then some people are going to kind of take that and start to seek out resources elsewhere and go on their own mental journey with it and ultimately get to a point where they decide it's for them. But it's we can't force that journey. That's something that people have to really take on their own. And do you think you learned some of those skills and I guess like awareness from about just seeing where people are and meeting them where they're at from your previous experience doing sales with Equinox? Yeah, absolutely. And it, mm-hmm. you know, fitness sales is a little bit different because for the most part, we're working with people who are proactively coming to us in some way, mm-hmm. right? Meaning there's not a lot of people out there that don't see the benefit of getting into better shape, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> that's pretty much something that most people... Do want. Right. And so we're working with people that, you know, maybe they called, maybe they inquired online, but for they have in some way raised their hand to say, I, you know, I, this is something that I want in my life. I don't know if it's going to be Equinox, but I know I want something. I want to improve in this area. And a lot of times it's a matter of then just identifying, okay, what is it that they really specifically want? It's really simple. What is it they really want? Why do they want it? Right. Right. And what are they really willing to do to get there? Like, what's their commitment level? And then how do we meet them where they are and match up where they're at in terms of commitment level to what we have to offer? Right. Because there's Mm -hmm. different solutions for different people. Right. So I do think that a lot of it comes from that. But there's the the, the thing that's kind of new is introducing this concept to people for the first time. That's Mm -hmm. what's kind of new to me. And so when you are introducing it for the first time, what are some of those effective, what are, what are some of those strategies, I guess, that you've 
used or I guess like how have you framed it towards people can like start to understand it a little a little bit more because like I, I can totally take on like trying to take on a new concept that's completely foreign like my parents uh, my grandparents were immigrants they didn't know they knew my parents knew nothing about syndication and so it took a while for them to get warmed up and so did you have a specific strategy that you might have like learned at race masters or maybe on your own of just how to tackle that obstacle yeah i've found that asking a lot of questions mm. to begin with so first off just understanding understanding where people are in terms of what are the types of things that they've invested in previously? Because sometimes there's something that they can compare it to, right? A lot of people invest in a 401k or they invest in like a stock bonds portfolio, right? It's like, okay, that's a frame of reference, right? I often ask like, have you ever lived in an apartment building? Because that's a frame of reference. Right. I remember talking to somebody in my family and saying, well, you know what experience do you have with apartment buildings? And they were like, "Well, we li- we lived in one, you know, when we first graduated from college, and our daughter lives in one." It's like, okay, let's start there. Let's talk about that. Your daughter lives in one. Like, tell me about it. Mm. Who manages it? Oh, who manages it? Right. It's just starting to get them thinking about, kind of grounded in something they know, and starting to ask the questions and just kind of peel back the layers. So, but finding out what their current investment strategy is, how much they even know about that, what their investing goals are, and then asking questions of like, okay, well, if you say they're investing in the stock market, right? So you're investing in the stock market. It sounds like you're investing with the plan to really long-term hold, right? You're hoping that your stocks ultimately appreciate over time. And then at a certain point, you're going to be able to live off the income that has been generated, right? Or live off the equity that's been generated. Okay, well, what if you could do that? What if you could invest in something that does appreciate, but at the same time, see cash flow in real time that you could either use for things that you know maybe you want to add to your life now, or you could actually turn around and reinvest. You know, Just asking questions to help them understand the basic concepts and then just going deeper and deeper. Yeah, no, and, and I love that perspective a lot just because when I was just very starting out, like first starting out and just talking to people about it, I would often get into this very like pitch heavy, like, oh, this is this, this is this, this is cap rate, this is NOI, this is how you can force appreciation. And I just got really heavy into the jargon, but meeting people where they're at. And it seems like you've had just great experience in doing that and also a lot of patience in doing that as well. You know, I, I commend you for it. And so, now taking this whole experience and now you joining Raise Masters and you're looking to to raise capital, I would love to know what the next focus is and main focuses are for 2022 and even and so on. Yeah, from 2022, it's it's building the brand. And you know, right now my kind of pool of potential investors is really people that I have first degree connections with, right? People right. that again, family friends, people that I've known from other parts of my life that again have kind of I've re-engaged. And, and those are probably some of the people that are kind of most interested, right? Because those are some of the people that saw me post something and then reached out to me or that I reached out to and said, hey, this is what I'm doing. And let me know if you want to have a conversation about it. There's that, like they took a step, right? To learn a little bit more about it. But that it's limited to that right now. So finding ways to expand that and build the brand, which for me, it's a, it's a few different things. I mean, one is what we're doing now, 
right? Getting on podcasts, just having conversations, getting that kind of exposure that way. Two is I've started to use LinkedIn as a tool, as a kind of a primary tool Mm -hmm. to start to reach out to people that maybe I have those secondary connections with and that we have some commonality. For example, fitness fitness executives, for example, that we have something in common, something that we can relate to with each other and then just plant the seed with them. And hopefully from there, you know, start to expand my potential investor base that way. We can ask a question. Well, no, I was going to say with with Equinox, I know there are a lot of players that typically go to those gyms. <laughs> yes. When I was living in LA, I mean, it's it's a it's a really really nice gym. I actually on a on a really quick side note, I had a friend who would would she she would not want to shower at her own house because she loved the shampoo and the body wash at Equinox, and she would, she would only shower there. So I just thought it was it was it was just funny, but yeah. Didn't mean to interrupt. I know that there are a lot of big. No, I agree. That it's, go it's, to Equinox. You're absolutely right, and that's something that I try to be very cautious about because mm. I I work for Equinox and I have a I love Equinox and I'm extremely grateful for the journey I've had with Equinox and the role that I have, and I respect that. So mm. it, in my role there, I'm there to serve the members, and so I'm just careful about how much I bring in to that into the conversation, right? Yeah. But over time, you know, being with the company for 16 years, I mean, I've built up relationships with some of these members that are members now or not members. And so that is a little bit different. And that, you know, when I have a little bit more of a relationship with them. So going back to 2022, yeah, it's really expanding that potential investor base and also strengthening relationships with operators, right? Because I'm really looking to partner with high quality operators. That have a significant track record because since I don't have as much experience for my investors, I'm really looking to leverage the experience of the operators. And, and it's important for me to have a su- substantial relationship with those operators as well that I feel like I fully trust them. Because as you said before, I mean, we're talking about taking in investor capital, right? This to me, that's more important than my own capital. I would sooner invest in something myself that I felt a little bit less certain of than I would with someone else's money. Mm-hmm. Right. So building those those operator relationships is super super important to me as well. And and really figuring out this business, you know, that's part of the journey is not just yeah. about not just about the outcomes, but really about the pursuit of creating business because that's one of the really big things for me that probably some people can relate to. I mean, I'm in my mid-40s and... No way are you in your mid-40s. Are you serious? Yeah. I I thought you were going to be... I thought I honestly thought you were like 32. (laughs) (laughs) What? Yeah, yeah. People probably can't see me, but I have like completely gray hair. (laughs) Oh, I thought it was more of like a fashion, you know, a fashion statement. I was like, hey, you're killing it, Brian. I just, I got to say, you're killing it. There you go. Uh, Healthy lifestyle. Healthy lifestyle. Sign up at Equinox. (laughs) But coming to this a little bit later in life and being an employee for a very long time and and then starting to create something outside of that, you know, in addition to that, like that's a, that's a, that's quite a big part of the journey for me. So a big part of this is simply taking the steps and creating that and all the things that I learned about myself and that I learned about business along the way too. Wow. No, that that's awesome. And and I can't wait to see just more about of that journey unfold and seeing what more you accomplish. 
And just seeing all these connections that you're going to be building with all these different operators, I feel like I have, I'm manifesting a huge 2022 for you, Brian. And if people want to reach out to you and get a hold of you and learn more about you, how can they get a hold of you? You can go to the website, which is www.maybarcapital.com. Maybar is M-A-E-B-A-R. Also, you can follow me on Instagram. Again, I don't post a whole lot, but <laughs> you can always message me there <laughs> at Hemmedinger. And then LinkedIn is great too. If you just look up Brian Hemmedinger, you're going to find me. There's not a lot of us. And on the website, if you go to the website, we have something called the Passive Investor Handbook, which you can download. And that breaks down a lot of the terms, a lot of and kind of demystifies a lot of the terms and concepts within investing in apartment buildings. Awesome. Definitely reach out to Brian. He thank you so much for hopping onto the show. And it was it was great chatting and also talking with another fellow artist. And it's it's so beautiful just to see where you started to where you are now. And I can't, like I said, I can't wait to see what you're going to accomplish. Now, everyone, if you're listening, make sure to tune in for in a few days because we are going to be releasing the action items episode where we're going to get really nitty gritty and into the weeds and the details of how you can get started on your real estate journey. So thank you again, Brian, for hopping onto the show. And thank you everyone for, one, for uh, listening. Thank you so much, Taylor. It's been a pleasure. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you got any value out of the show, I'd greatly appreciate if you leave a rating and review on iTunes to help others receive that same value. If you're looking to learn more on how to passively invest in apartment buildings or self-storage assets, click on my link in the show notes to learn more. Thanks, and I'll see you next time.